<clears throat> the passages that I have tonight really came out of um, a discussion that my wife and I had this morning. Actually, it was my wife discussing it, and I was listening because I was still in a fog. But uh, <clears throat> and um, she had mentioned that how encouraging it was that the Lord was very, very gracious in answering the request on the referendum on the casino. But on the other hand, there were other things that she specifically had been praying for politically or for our government, and it just went the other direction, and not just in the other direction. It's like it flooded into the other direction. And how discouraging that is. I'll just mention two. I think there was a lot of hopes for Virginia that we might at least get more uh, conservative statesmen involved in our assembly and uh, government. And of course it went the other direction. And then if you've kept up with it, really I think this is huge news that the state of Ohio uh, codified, put in their constitution, uh, the right of abortion. And uh, I haven't kept up too much with it, but I did hear a um, short clip from their governor, Mike DeWine. And um, he said the result of this, ultimately, well, he said the potential of this uh, being codified in the Constitution, which, which you just think about uh, abortion, should it even be in a state constitution? No. <laughs> like, no. You know, uh, it, you can make it a law, you can pass a law, pro or con, right? But to be in a constitution? And one of the effects of this being codified is that it's going to strike down all other restrictions that we're dealing with abortion, such as parental notification because the way they wrote it is it's so broad and when you put it in a constitution it's not only applicable to adults it's applicable to every person in the state right and so uh, you just think about that and think about how that could be used and I was telling my wife I said um, you know when you see all these um, I was going to say ladies but all these women um, cheering for abortion and I thought to myself really is that the type of woman you want to marry I'm for a murder and the very negation of the very function for which God has created a woman to do is to bring life that's a great privilege and so uh, you just think about all the ramifications of that um, it really has the potential to be absolutely frightening. And when you think about it all, and depending on your seriousness when it comes to praying, uh, you could get discouraged. And I think that we need to recognize that prayer and discouragement in prayer is a biblical reality. In other words, the Bible acknowledges this. And you'll recall that our Lord Himself said, men ought to always to pray, and can we finish that? And not to faint. 
And so he's acknowledging our tendency to what? To faint or to be weary in our asking for the good things that the Scripture would have us pray for. Now, I'm not sure that he's saying that we're to pray and not to faint because you're asking for a job promotion. Okay, Nothing wrong with asking for a job promotion. It's just not on the same level as some type of scriptural good that's going on. And you think about abortion. Is it not a scriptural good? Thou shalt not murder. That's a scriptural good. <clears throat> and so we have to acknowledge that uh, we faint. You think about the disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus asked them to pray with him that they would not enter into temptation. And he comes back and he finds them, finds them sleeping. And it wasn't from lack of spirit. Their spirit was willing, but the flesh was, was weak. And so we have to acknowledge that when we say, well, I get discouraged in prayer, or I get weary in prayer, or what's the use of praying, or any of these types of things, we have to acknowledge that the Bible recognizes that, that this is not unusual. And I know for myself, who am very much susceptible to every, other ten every temptation that you are, but it is comforting to me <clears throat> to know that the Bible acknowledges that this is not only a reality, but it's a reality that probably is going to come upon each one of us in different, <coughs> in different seasons of our life. And so you'll notice here in Psalm 2, <coughs> we have the Psalm 1 man living in a Psalm 2 world. And what is the world of Psalm 2? Well, let's read beginning in verse 1. Why are the nations in an uproar and the peoples devising a vain thing? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers take counsel together <coughs> against the Lord and against His anointed saying, Let us tear their fetters apart and cast away their cords from us. That's the general demeanor of the world. And so we've been talking about abortion. What would be when, when I see all these women, men too, cheering for murder, what do I think? Many times I think of Psalm 2. To say you can't abort your child is a restriction. It's a fetter, right? And it's a fetter that's been given by the Lord. And so here's the kings of the earth. <clears throat> here's the rulers. This is the governments of the world. Coming together, taking counsel together, Verse 2, even taking their stand on this. This is their position. It's against the Lord, not ultimately the baby, not ultimately Christians, but against the Lord and against His anointed saying, we're going to tear these things away. And when they do that, then you see glorified pictures in the media of all these, quote, happy people that are out there. 
And so you have this underlying activity. And when you think about it, when you think about <clears throat> taking counsel together against the Lord, let us tear the fetters apart, let us cast their cords away from us, this isn't something that begins to occur and then the Lord squelches it. The implication is, is that this is what is going on how often? All the time. Whether it be individuals, you can't tell me what I can do with my own whatever. Whether it be individuals or whether it be organizations or colleges or governments or federal government or whatever, this is the general position and this is what we're going to see when we look around the world. This is what you're going to see when you look at the news. And I do think, again, <clears throat> that it's comforting in the fact, not that we want it to happen, but it's comforting in the fact that the Bible acknowledges this. Okay, you, when, you, when you think this way, and you feel this way, you are walking in the steps of a Psalm 1 man. The Psalm 1 man doesn't like this. He's not taking counsel together. His meditation is in the... Law of the Lord. And in that law, he meditates day and night. <clears throat> and then when you turn to Revelation chapter 6, let's go all the way to the end of our Bible. <clears throat> and I'm going to a really an extreme illustration of this. In Revelation 6 and verse 9, you have the fifth seal being broken. This is during the tribulation period. <clears throat> Injustice abounds. Violence fills the earth, just like in the days of Noah. And it says in verse 9, And the Lamb broke the fifth seal. <clears throat> and I saw underneath the altar the souls of those who had been slain, because of the word of God and because of the testimony which they had maintained. They had been put to death. That's a Psalm 2 world, isn't it? We don't want you witnessing to us. So we will cast that off. And so they cried out, verse 10, with a loud voice saying, now, what's the first two words? How long? How long? You ever said something like that? How long is this going to go on? How long? How long is this injustice going to occur? How many babies do we have to murder? How long, O oh Lord, holy and true? So he's not <laughs> doubting the Lord. Will you refrain from judging and avenging our blood on those who dwell on the earth? So what are they wanting? They're wanting justice, right? <clears throat> and that's what we're wanting. Just taking the big issue of abortion. It's unjust. We're wanting justice. And so, how long, O oh Lord, will you refrain from intervening? 
And I think those two things, as we go back to Psalm 2, are very helpful for us. Number one, the position and state of the world, just like Jesus said, wars, rumors of wars going on, floods, hurricanes. What is the position of the world? Let us tear their fetters apart and cast away their cords from us. So that's normal. But the weariness of it, and in our praying against it, which is right, can become discouraging. To where in our spirit we say, how long before you execute justice on this earth? Or justice in this situation? So when you say this in your heart, again, know that you are being very biblical. Now what do you think your flesh is going to do with that? So far you're being very biblical. What's your flesh going to do with your scriptural position? It's going to try to use it against you. To try to get you to stop praying. Or to question God. Or a multitude of other things. This spirit of asking how long is all throughout the Psalms. So turn to Psalm 13. <clears throat> I have other passages down here, but... <clears throat> This is coming out of the mouth of a Psalm 1 man, a believer, King David. I'm just going to read two verses. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart all the day, how long will my enemy be what? Exalted over me. And that's what's happening in these constitutional states. They're exalting in injustice and they're seeking to rule over, to be above righteousness and goodness. And what we have to do is to continue to what? Continue to pray. Now, is there a way to pray? Yes, there is a way to pray. And there's nothing wrong with us going to the Lord and saying, now Lord, this has been going on for a long time. There's been multitudes of people who have been petitioning you for this. And maybe it's a special prayer request that you have about something. And you can actually say, Lord, how long? Are you going to forget me forever? Now, does he forget us? No, what he's saying is, you haven't answered my what? You haven't answered my prayer. It's like, I'm out of your mind. And so, <clears throat> here is that delay of the Lord. Look over in Psalm 74. <clears throat> <coughs> Psalm 
Psalm 74. Look at verse 10. How long, O God, will the adversary revile and the enemy spurn your name forever? And he goes on and says, Why have you withheld your hand? Why are you stopping from moving on our behalf? When the Lord delays in executing judgment, it does seem long, doesn't it? And it can actually extend generations. And when that happens, when the judgment extends long before it comes, wicked people take encouragement. And we've used this in Ecclesiastes when we talk about um, judges and justices and laws of the land. We'll say, because the judgment is not executed quickly, iniquity abounds. Right? Well, <clears throat> the Lord is very patient, isn't He? He's not willing that any should perish. He's not quick to execute the justice that is due. And aren't you glad? Because the psalmist also prays this, Lord, if you would mark iniquity, who would stand? Like if the Lord executed justice every time we sinned, would we be here? We wouldn't be here. Nobody in the world would be here. But he's very patient about this. When the Lord's delay in, in judgment takes long, the wicked take advantage. And they take encouragement. And you've said this before. You've said it to me. You've said it to others. Well, if you defeat them on the abortion issue, they'll just turn around and bring it up again. They just keep on what? They keep on trying. <clears throat> and so here you get weary upon things like that. Look over in Psalm 94. <clears throat> Look at verse 1. <clears throat> o Lord, God of vengeance, God of vengeance, shine forth. Rise up, O judge of the earth. Render recompense to the proud. How long shall the wicked, O Lord, how long shall the wicked exalt? This is a man who's been praying for something, isn't he? And it seems like that the Lord is not moving and is not answering. It does seem like the wicked are winning. And I suppose that's one of the reasons why, especially young people, they get drawn away into wickedness. Who wants to be on a losing team? Do you? None of us want to be on a losing team. When I was a young boy, I always got picked for things last. And it was always, oh, well, okay. You have to be on our team. <laughs> Which meant I was almost always on the losing team. Nobody wants to be on a losing team. We all want to win. And so when you look at the world and you look at the things of the world, who's getting richer? The wicked. Who seems to be winning in politics? 
Wicked. Who seems to have the position? Wicked people. Who seems to be suffering and being persecuted? God's people. And so, <clears throat> the wicked seem to be triumphing, but the fact of the matter is, now I want to spring us into reality. The people who voted that abortion law into the Constitution of Ohio lost. They lost. <laughs> Romans chapter 2 says that all they're doing is accumulating wrath. That's all they're doing. All these wealthy, positioned, prosperous, seem to be happy, wicked people, they're losing. Because what they are treasuring up isn't their coin. They can't take that with them. What they are treasuring up is the wrath of God. So I think it's important in our verbiage and how we talk to one another. We may say something like this, well, <clears throat> wicked people got that abortion law into the Constitution in the state of Ohio. But we should never talk about it as if we are defeated as if we lost something. We haven't lost. They're the ones that are losing. Because, are you there in Psalm 2? Psalm 2 guarantees who wins? The Lord. The Lord wins. Look at Psalm 1 verse 6. <coughs> For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked, tell me, perish. perish. Does that sound like winning? They're losing. Or you go to Psalm 2, and they quote win by casting away some cords, they think, or casting apart the fetters of King Messiah and God the Father. What is God's position to that in verse 4? Tell me. He laughs. he laughs. Now, I don't think you ought to go around laughing. But I do think we ought to take God's position about this. He that sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. They're scoffing at him. He will scoff at them because there's going to come a season, verse 5, when he will speak to them in his anger and terrify them in his fury. Look at verse 9. You will break them <clears throat> with a rod of iron you will shatter them like earthenware. Does that sound like winning? That's losing. Or what about this? Look at verse 12. Do homage to the Son that He not become angry, and you perish in the way. 
for His wrath may soon be kindled. Remember, we're saying, how long? Wicked people need to be careful because His wrath may soon be kindled. How blessed are all who take refuge in Him. And of course, I'm sure you mark this in your Bible in verse 12, perish in the way, matches Psalm 1 verse 6. The wicked will perish. His way will perish. So folks, they're not winning. And they haven't won anything. All they're doing is accumulating to themselves wrath. What's our nation doing? Accumulating wrath. So does that mean we shouldn't pray? What is God's desire for wicked people? He desires them to come to Him, to pay homage to the Son. Or as the King James says, kiss the Son, lest He be angry. Brethren, you and I, I think, need to remind ourselves frequently that our scriptural prayers are collected like incense on the altar. What is incense? Well, when incense is burned, it what? It gives off a sweet aroma. Our scriptural prayers, even though the answer to them may be delayed, are collected like incense on the altar of incense. And God takes pleasure in that fragrance. You ever thought about God taking pleasure in your praying? And folks, even though we may not see something and even though we may cry out with the psalmist how long, they are still a sweet aroma in the nostrils of our great God. He's pleased with that. And then I think what encourages me is is that if God does delay, His delay is purposeful. It's not random, it's not chaotic, it's not necessarily because you didn't, you know, pray the right words or whatever. They're purposeful. And we know one of the purposes. So that they might come to repentance. The goodness of God in not executing the wrath of God immediately is the goodness of God that doesn't do that. So that all the people you see on the media, all the gloating you read on the internet, all of that, God's giving them a chance to come to their right mind and turn to Christ. Is there a limit? Yes. 
But if you don't know this, you will know it, that God's patience is way further than yours. <laughs> and thanks be to God for that. So, my intention tonight <clears throat> really isn't to try to cure your weariness. It's just to put a perspective on it. And to say, hey, you are right in the way all the people have gone on before you because the way you're feeling and the expressions of your heart are entirely scriptural. But let's not stop praying for scriptural things for the glory of God. Let's go to Him in prayer. 